This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you very much, and good evening. Welcome to the show. Tonight, we'll hear another adventure of the Green Hornet and his trusted valet, Cato, followed by a visit from The Shadow. And by the way, if you're an opera fan, you're going to love the music on The Shadow, Pagliacci no less. But first, I'd like to offer my thanks to one of our regular listeners to Theater of the Mind, Keith Gloucester, who passed along some really uh, good information for fans of old-time radio. This from an article by Patrick May, and here's what Patrick wrote. With many of us confined to our cars for hours on end because of our increasingly hellish commutes, we offer up a beginner's guide to online online old-time radio. Thanks to an entire universe of free apps and podcasts of classic whodunits, such as The Adventures of Sam Spade and yours truly, Johnny Dollar, you can now binge listen to spine-chilling dramas and gut-splitting comedies while the traffic just crawls along like some juiced-up barfly stumbling home after closing time. There's a ton of material online to get you started, especially if you're young enough to have no clue what the excitement was all about. Mike Adams, a longtime radio buff, suggests checking out the Society to Preserve and Encourage Radio Drama. Now, their website, and I hope you can write these down if you happen to maybe uh, listen in and have a piece of paper and a uh, pencil handy, www.sperdvac.com. They offer a smorgasbord of material for novice, including a newsletter archive and articles on shows and even exhaustive studies on classics like Fibber McGee and Molly. That's the Society to Preserve and Encourage Radio Drama. You might just try Googling that. And then check out the Vintage Radio Library at www.genericradio.com. That's a little easier, isn't it? Where you'll fall in love with the writing in shows such as Broadway is My Beat. Seeing the descriptive prose will make you appreciate the dialogue once you're driving. Once mostly sold and traded as tapes or CDs, the old shows can now be found all over the Internet for free, although the quality of recordings can vary. That's key in a car with all the ambient noise that road. Sean Doherty of uh, New York City, a publicist there and spokesman for Friends of Old Time Radio, says we can thank the fans of yesterday for saving the shows available today. Most of what survives today survives because in the 50s and 60s, there were fanatic collectors who would root around in attics and salvage the personal collections of audio engineers. Well, my thanks once again to Keith. Let's get those old-time dramas on the air right now. The Green Hornet and the episode first broadcast in 1945, The Unexpected Meeting. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. 
faithful Filipino valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with racketeers and saboteurs, risking his life that criminals and enemy spies will feel the weight of the law by the sting of the Green Hornet. <laughs> Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure, The Unexpected Meeting. The Green Hornet strikes again. And now, The Green Hornet. sleek, super-powered car of the dreaded Green Hornet moved through the darkened streets of the sleeping city. Britt Reed, whose identity as the widely sought Hornet was known to no one except his Filipino valet, Cato, who sat beside him in the speeding car, finally spoke impatiently. Cato, that tip we received on the warehouse robbery seems to have been a deliberate attempt to bring the Hornet into a police trap. But who do you think give tip to Sentinel? No one knows Britt Reed connected with Green Hornet? I'd like to believe that, Cato. Someone did try to pull a fast one. It's a good thing we approached on foot and discovered the police waiting near that warehouse. Not good, Mr. Britt. You can say that again. We go home now, Mr. Britt? Yes, Cato, there's nothing more we can do. Look, two men attacking other men. We'd better stop. Come on, Cato. Let me go. Let me go. Grab that briefcase. I got it. There you go, you what? Oh, what the? Holy mackerel, it's a green hornet. I help. Hey, let up, will you? I'll give you the briefcase. I will say you will. Oh. That takes care of those two. This briefcase must be important or they wouldn't have... Where's the victim? He leave in great hurry. Run around the corner. Didn't he know we were helping him? When he hears thief say green hornet, he not wait to find out. In the excitement, I forgot I'm wearing the hornet disguise. Well, I guess there's nothing more we can do. Take the briefcase with us until we find out whose it is. Come on, Cato. A short time later in Britt Reed's apartment. You find name of owner on papers and briefcase, Mr. Britt? No, Cato. Hmm. These seem to be important papers. Notice the sealing wax and ribbons on this one. Oh. You break seal, perhaps? No, Cato. I have no doubt these are very important and secret state papers. And the writing on them is all in Spanish. Spanish? Yes. And to me, that indicates they belong to some South American representative. It's strange there's been no word of the attack over the radio. Yes, that's true. Especially if man report Green Hornet involved in... Ru- oh, I answer, Mr. Britt. Mr. Reed's apartment. Cato! Oh, it's you, Mr. Axford. Jonas B. Who do you think it was? I'm in a hurry now. You, you hold the line. Mr. Reed's right here. <laughs> Axford must think you're a mind reader. <laughs> Hello, Axford. What's all the excitement this time? Pete, there's something funny going on. Really? What, for instance? If I knew one, it wouldn't have to say there was something funny going on. All I... right, all right. Get to the point. Why did you call me? Well, it's like this, Reed. They was down to cops headquarters a while ago when they brought in two bugs for questioning. Go on. As they went 
Why were they picked up? What did they do? Well, find out. You're supposed to be a reporter. Well, hold on, Reed. I've been trying to find out. But I can't get a word out of the cops. Sergeant Burke just shut up like a clam when I asked him. Didn't he say anything? Sure. But all he said was, just nothing for the newspapers at all. Now, what do you think of that, Reed? I don't know what to think of it, Axford. All I can tell you is to keep trying. And if it turns out to be anything important, let me know. Yes, of course. Well, stick around headquarters tonight. Maybe they'll open up and give you the story, whatever it is. And if they do, be sure to call me. My curiosity is around. I'm telling you, Reed, I ain't that curious. I'm all goosebumps waiting to find out what happened. I- I'll let you know as soon as I learn something. You can bet on that. Good, I'll be waiting. Sergeant, break down sooner or later. Him and me are just like that, you know. <laughs> I can guess what you mean. Goodbye, Axford. Axford, find out something, Mr. Britt? <laughs> no. He's upset because he can't find out something, Cato. Oh. Evidently, the police picked up the two men who were trying to get the briefcase. But strange to say, the police are keeping the whole thing quiet. Why do you think they do that? I can only think of one reason why. Yes? Whoever lost that briefcase, or the people to whom he was taking it, must be very influential. Also, those papers must be so important that they dare not let it be known they've been lost. Oh. Then you have possession of something Crooks would say is uh, very hot. Hot is right, Cato. I don't dare return it to the police since they already know the Hornet was involved. What you do, Mr. Britt? Well, I'll hang on to it until tomorrow, anyway. Maybe by that time we'll know more about the whole setup. When I grabbed that briefcase, I grabbed a wildcat by the tail. We're going to have to find some way to let go without being scratched. Good morning, Casey. <laughs> Heavens, Axford, you must have had a bad night. You didn't slam the door when you came in that time. Well, no, if it's a slamming door you want to hear, I'd go right oh, back. No, oh, no, never mind. Just let it go. Ha! Hey, how's your bluff on that one, Casey? <laughs> is he reading yet? Yes, he is. And he's been asking for you, too. Sure, do you think I was the only one working on the daily sentence the way he's always asking where I am? No. No, Axford, it happens you're the only one who's never working around the daily sentence. That's why Mr. Reed is always asking for it. Is that so now? <laughs> Casey, I'll have you know if I was to leave the Sentinel, Reed would go down on uh, bended uh, knees uh, to beg. Uh, uh, yes, Mr. Reed. Miss Case, tell Axford I can hear him talking out there. I'm waiting to see him, and if he isn't in here or nothing flat, he's through. Fucking snakes. Wish Casey. And I might come about you. Did you hear me, Miss Case? Yes, sir. Axford's coming right in. <laughs> Oh, what was that you were saying a moment ago about Mr. Reed going down on his knees? Casey, she's no laughing matter. Do you think Reed's really thinking about letting me go? Well, why not go in and find out? Ah. <laughs> Reed, I, uh, well, I just stopped for only a half a minute. <laughs> That's one way to get you in here, Axford. You, you mean you were kidding? Oh, you can call it that. Oh. <laughs> I knew it all the time, that I did read it. Okay. You knew it all the time. What's new about those two men who mentioned the Hornet? Not a thing, Reed. There's something mighty funny going on, if you ask me. That's off the record for some reason, actually. 
You'd better go back there and keep trying. Sure, Reed. But I tell you, it's not much use with Sarge pulling that high hat stuff and all. I do my best, though, and try to get him to give me a hint. So long, Reed. Goodbye, expert. Yes, Miss Case? Mr. Reed, there's a gentleman out here to see you. Oh, I'm pretty busy, Miss Case. Uh, did he give his name? No, Mr. Reed. I'll find... Uh, just a minute. Mr. Reed, very busy. Perhaps if you give your name... Oh, Miss Case. Yes, Mr. Reed. Uh, show the gentleman in. I'll see him. Yes, sir. I don't see how he could be connected with that briefcase or why he should come here to me. Senor, please. Yes, come right in. I beg of you, Senor, to pardon my seeming rudeness in not sending in my card. I'm sure you had a good reason. Uh, won't you be seated, Mr. Oh, thank you. My name, Senor, is Mendoza. My card, Senor. Thank you. Senor Carlos Roberto Mendoza. Before we go any further, Senor, may I request that our conversation be, as you call it, off the record? Of course. I'm connected in an official capacity with a South American embassy, Senor. I'm here to see you on a very delicate mission. I'll be glad to hear what you have to say, Mr. Mendoza. Senor, a certain person suggested that you might be able to be of great assistance to us and indirectly to our respective countries. In what way, may I ask? Senor, last night a special courier left for our consulate for the airport carrying a briefcase in which were sealed papers of extreme importance. I see. He left by the rear door and walked through to the next street to hail a taxi cab, thinking to throw off anyone who might be watching. He lost the papers, perhaps? Exactly, senor. Rather, I should say the briefcase was stolen by a criminal known as the Green Hornet. You don't say. Uh, are you certain? See, si, senor. Two men attacked our courier. They were joined by the Hornet. Now the men escaped. Then the attackers fought among themselves. The Hornet took the papers and disappeared. But what of the other two men? They were caught. They are underworld criminals who were hired by a certain underground agent. Well, uh, what do you want me to do? Senorita, those papers are dynamite in the wrong hands. We dare not let it be known that they are lost. We must get them back at any cost. So? I was told, or rather advised, to come to you... It is said you have great influence. Enough even to reach into the underworld and get to the Green Hornet. <laughs> what gave you that idea, Mr. Mendoza? Well, we, we, all of us, all of us hope this is true, Senor. We are depending upon you. You are our last resort. Pay the Hornet anything. We will do anything to get those papers back. But even if I could get those papers from the Hornet, it would have to be on a no-questions-asked basis. The police would object to that. The police are tracking down the underground agent for us. I can assure you they will be most discreet in this matter. I can promise questions will not be asked if the papers are returned with a seal unbroken, senor. I promise nothing, but uh, where will you be at uh, 8 o'clock tonight? The address is in the corner of my card, that of the consulate, senor. I'll be there with three others. An attaché, a foreign minister, and... Uh, uh, an American whom we have called in as an advisor. All right, Mr. Mendoza. I'll see you at the consulate at 8 o'clock tonight. Why are you not bring briefcase, Mr. Britt? I thought it over, Cato, and decided to hold off a bit. I'll tell them I'm working on it. Why you do that? If they say no questions, Bia. I'm still curious to know who sent Mendoza to me. 
And don't forget, someone almost sent us into a trap last night. Wait for me. I won't be long. In a few minutes, Britt Reed was being announced by the butler to the waiting group. Senor Britt Reed. Good evening, gentlemen. Ah, you have come, Senor Reed, but without the papers. Oh, allow me. I will present you Britt, the Senor. I didn't expect you would bring the papers. Now, discretion, the better part of valor? Oliver? Well, this is a surprise. I see you already know Oliver Perry, the famous American detective. Yes, of course. We've met several times. But this time may prove a point. Britt, I'm truly disappointed you didn't bring the papers. I know the Hornet is smart. But if they don't show up, I'll know the reason why. We'll continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a moment. a shrewd and nationally famous detective, suspected that Britt Reed and the Green Hornet were one and the same person. Britt was fully aware of these suspicions. He knew that Perry was ready to leap at the slightest relaxation of vigilance. Oliver, you're delaying introductions. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting these gentlemen. Sorry. Pardon, Senor Reed. Senor Manuel Calera, Senor Juan Modina, may I present Senor Britt Reed. Senor Reed. That briefcase must be found. This loss is a great calamity, senor. I'm quite sure Mr. Reed can help you, gentlemen. If he's not afraid of complications. Do you know of any reason why I should fear complications, Oliver? Well, you will continue your efforts to contact the Green Hornet and get the paper, senor. I'll try to get word to him and persuade him to return the briefcase directly to you. I won't act as a go-between. Aren't you sticking your neck out, Rick? I'm afraid I do not understand this, uh, this, uh, <laughs> sticking out of the... Oliver air. Perry likes to talk to me in a sort of code now and then. It's a habit of his, so you must mind. Oh, <laughs> so that is it. Well, senor, we shall wait and hope that you succeed. That depends on what you call success, Mr. Mendoza. Hey, Oliver? Oh. Our ideas differ on that, I'm afraid. No doubt. Uh, tell me, Mr. Mendoza... Is the lost briefcase similar to your cases there on the table? Si, senor. They are all identical. It is the same. I see. Well, gentlemen, I must run along. Let's hope your papers turn up soon. Coming, Oliver? Dinner at my apartment? Fine. I'd like that. Let's go. Britt Reed and Cato went to their apartment, accompanied by Oliver Perry. Perry sat in the living room, watching every move the other two made. He was determined Britt and Cato would not have a chance to exchange words or signals. Finally, Britt Reed yawned and spoke. Oh, really, Oliver? I think we should all turn in and get some sleep. I'd like to stay right here and read most of the night. You don't mind, Britt? Well, suit yourself. Cato, perhaps if we go to the kitchen, you can fix us a snack. Well, yes, sir. No, I... I'm not at all hungry. And I'm certain it isn't necessary for both of you to go to the kitchen. 
Well, frankly, Britt, I'm making certain you and Cato don't get a chance to exchange words. So I notice. <laughs> Cato's so used to be jabbering to me. I believe he's bored. Well, I managed to survive boredom, Mr. Britt. Well, I guess I'll phone Axford and then call it a day. I'm sure you can't object to my making a phone call to my office, Oliver. Oh, of course not. Go right ahead. <laughs> kind of you. Somehow I feel as long as I'm with you, those papers won't be returned. Oh, you never can tell. I'm sure my underworld contact has gotten through to the Hornet by now. Did Well, this is Mr. Reed. I want to talk to Axford, please. Just a moment, Mr. Reed. I'll connect you. Don't forget, I'm listening, Britt. <laughs> As if I could. Hello? Axford, uh, I've been waiting to hear from you. Are you keeping the news a uh, secret? Reed, I don't know... Uh, what did you find out about the jury panel in that criminal case? Did you get the list of names? Reed, what on earth are you talking about? If I didn't know you better, I'd see you... So that's it, eh? Well, in that case, uh, I'll have to go myself. Super Now you're talking in riddles. Reed, what's uh, who did you say? Oh, that nitwit. Now, listen to me. Keep him out of there if you have to use force. Do you understand? Glory be. Have you gone daft, Reed? If you want me Very to well. Doctor... Goodbye, Axford. Well, that's that. <laughs> I hope he got everything straight. You not mint words, Mr. Britt. I think it's very clear. Axford doesn't understand as clearly as you do sometimes, Cato. Seems to me you keep that poor guy Axford on the jump from the way you talk to him. He can take a dollar. Well, I guess I'll turn in now. How about you, Cato? Well, I sit up with Mr. Perry, I think. Before you go, Britt, may I see your bedroom? My bedroom? This is the finest apartment I've ever seen. I'd like to see all of it. Of course. Come along, Oliver. Here you are. Mighty nice. Good view from the window. Yes. Right, here's the bath. Hmm. Very nice. Um, what's behind that other door? Oh, that's my clothes closet. Lots of space here. And a whale of a lot of suits. Go on in if you like to. Never saw them any suits. Mr. Britt, he's very suspicious. I know it, Cato. I'm getting fed up. I'm going to fix him for keeps. Well, Britt, I guess I've seen everything. Sorry I can't show you any more, Oliver. Well, I'll go back to my reading. Good night. Good night. Coming, Cato? What? Yes, Mr. Perry. Cato understood my message. I hope he makes sure Perry stays out of this room. Red Reed waited for a short time, then stepping through a secret panel in the rear of the closet in his bedroom, he went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. This passage led to an adjoining building, which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered Black Beauty. Green Lion car of the Green Hornet. Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. The wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. Reed stopped in the rear of the consulate. He thought of the daring prank he hoped to play on Oliver Perry. I have the lost briefcase in the Black Beauty. 
Now, if I can get the other three. He approached the darkened living room windows. He forced the lock. And in a matter of seconds, he lifted himself over the sill and dropped inside. I used my flashlight. Yeah, they're still on the table. Oh, oh that chair. I have to get out of here quick. Who is in here? Delight, I... Wait, I see you. Hold on fire. The other briefcase is all gone. That was the hornet, I know. What is this? Make Perry work for his... his door. Maybe he can find all four briefcases. See, I must get Senor Perry here at once. Once more, the powerful low-slung car sped through the back streets of the city. After entering the consulate, Britt Reed had made another stop at Oliver Perry's suite in the downtown hotel and then phoned the police. Now he pressed the gas pedal almost to the floor in his haste to get back before Perry heard the news and entered his room. Although I got the phone light at the consulate, it won't be long before they go outside the phone. I have to get back and be there when Perry opens that door. Arriving at the hiding place of the Black Beauty, Britt Reed hurriedly put the car away, then ran up the secret stairway, at the same time removing his disguise. Hope I'm in time. I made it. That is, unless he already... Just getting the call. Rick! Rick! Hey, what's the idea? Waking me up and I just... I see you're still dressed. Uh, I'm asleep across the bed, I guess. What's up? I'm not sure yet. Say, no, after all... Look, I'll... Mendoza just phoned. Jabbered something about a visit from the Hornet. And all the briefcases being stolen. No. Really? Come on along and find out. Cato, bring the sedan around. We might as well drive Oliver wherever he's going. Yes, sir. Let's go, Oliver. This is really getting interesting. The three men left Britt Reed's apartment and were soon speeding toward the consulate. Britt Reed glanced from time to time at Oliver Perry, who sat beside him in the back of the sedan, and he smiled inwardly at the puzzled frown on the detective's face. Meantime, Britt's anonymous phone call had sent the police to Oliver Perry's hotel room. And when a short time later, Britt and Perry entered the living room at the consulate, they found Mendoza talking to Sergeant Burke from police headquarters. But I do not understand, senor. You say you found all the briefcases together with these secret papers in Perry's rooms. Yeah. That's a tough one to explain, Mr. Perry. Especially since you've had the whole force upset over this thing. It being so secret and all. Don't be so obnoxious, Sergeant Burke. It's evident from the note that was left this was the work of the Green Hornet. Mr. Mendoza read the note to me over the phone. So the Hornet put one over on you, eh, Oliver? Senor Perry, we are grateful to have the briefcases back. We will not bring charges against you. What? What's that? Charges against me? By golly, Perry. Maybe you are on That's preposterous. By golly, it's ridiculous. How dare you insist? It is all right, senor. Maybe the DA... Just a minute. I must come to the defense of my friend. You may take my word for it. He and the Green Hornet would never be friendly enough to make a deal. Of course not. Furthermore, he has a perfect alibi for every minute since early today. You see, he was with me all the time. That's the truth, and I can prove it. You won't have to, Perry. The sergeant will take my word for it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Perry's in the clear. You say so, Mr. Reed. I'll go as far as the street with you, Perry. 
Goodbye, Senor Mendoza. Goodbye, and thank you. I'm still not satisfied about you, Reed, and the Green Hornet. I've got something no, to Perry, say. Terry, I have something to say to you. This is the second time I've taken you out of hot water. I know. I want you to know something else. I'm fed up with your suspicions. At first, it was funny when you tossed off lines with a double meaning to let me know that you suspected me of being the Green Hornet. Well, it's no longer funny to me. Now, see here, Reed. You posed as my friend. You've snooped into my private life. You've made public remarks that I don't like, and I've had enough. From now on, Perry, keep out of my hair. Right. If that's the way you want it. It is. Definitely. Someday, Reed, I'll get that dirty green hornet. He's not only notorious as a criminal, but he's also a man entirely without principle of any kind. Well, Perry, when it comes to a matter of principle, if I had to choose between the Green Hornet and you, I'd take the Green Hornet every time. So you're determined to get the Hornet, eh? Well, from now on, don't ever count on me for any help. So long, Perry. <laughs> program first heard the last year of the Second World War. Up next, The Shadow on Theater of the Mind. Thanks for being with me tonight as we look forward to part two of Theater of the Mind here on Zoomer Radio. Could just the sound of a man's voice make you shiver? Well, Orson Welles could do that, as you will hear on tonight's episode, The Tenor with the Broken Voice. Spoiler alert, if you're not an opera fan, you're going to be treated to several bars of Pagliacci but it's necessary to further the plot. (laughs) Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? (laughs) The shadow knows. A man of wealth, a student of science, and a master of other people's minds devotes his life to righting wrongs, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Cranston is known to the underworld as the Shadow. Never seen, only heard. His true identity is known only to his constant friend and aide, Margot Lane. Today's story, The Tenor with the Broken Voice. 
Pagliacci. It's my favorite opera. It is beautiful, Margot. You know, they say this young tenor, Hagen Radkoff, is a gorgeous voice. I hear he's marvelous. Mm. He should be magnificent in that closing aria of the first act. Vesti da Juba. quite sure that we've seen the end of that tragedy. Why, what do you mean, Lamont? And just that a great tragedy invariably has repercussions. You might like it to throwing a stone in a quiet pond. There's never just one ripple, but a wave of them. But I'm afraid I'm becoming morbid. <laughs> Who's singing the tenor row in tonight? Harley Fitz. Right. He has quite a lovely voice, too, that Hagen uh, Radcliffe's voice cracked on last week. Turn up the radio a bit, Margot. Yes, mm. yes, I'm <laughs> 
Molly Archie to a close. What? There's been a tragedy at the opera. A sandbag fell from the ceiling, hitting Harley Fist, the tenor, killing him instantly. Oh. We now return you to our studios. Oh, Lamont, how ghastly. See, my dears, I said, ripples of the stone falling in the quiet pond, starting to spread. Then you think this has a connection with what happened to Radkoff last week? This is no time to think, Margot. I'm going to investigate. Oh, Lamont, can the shadow never rest? Not as long as crime and outrage never rest. <laughs> Regrettable accident. Maybe. But listen, Commissioner, there's a story in here somewhere. Just the week before, Hagen Ratkoff was singing that same song when he lost his voice for a good. Yes, I know that. Well, we figured on running a story on how maybe that song is jinxed. And we wanted a statement from you. You know, they're planning to do the same opera again tomorrow night. Of all the cheap sensationalism. You can't expect me to be a party to such a story. Why not? Good day, Mr. Burke. Commissioner Weston. You sign these orders for the topic attack? Yes. Uh... Hello. Good morning, Commissioner Weston. Oh, it's you, Shadow. What do you want now? I have some suggestions for you. You know they are doing Pagliacci again tonight. So I've been told. Weston, you must be sure at least two squads of detectives cover every section of the opera house. I'm afraid there'll be trouble again during the singing of the closing aria. No, I won't do that, Shadow. Weston, you're a very foolish man. There's catastrophe in the cars for tonight. You can prevent it if you follow my instructions. Shadow, I don't need you or any other man to tell me how to run this office. Commissioner Weston... Didn't your grandmother ever tell you that old saying, there are none so blind as those who will not see? My grandmother did, and again I say it is absolutely imperative that you have a detail guarding the opera house tonight. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I'm too busy to discuss it any further. I did. You know, my husband usually goes to sleep every time we come here to the opera house. But tonight, my dear, he's positively sitting on the edge of his chair. Oh, can you blame him? Well, Henry, do you think the tragedies will repeat themselves? Well, no, in a few minutes. Curtain just about to go up on the first act. Yes, yes, so I understand. Oh, say, isn't that Commissioner Weston coming in? Hey, George, it is. Well, say, maybe there is something in this after all. Oh, uh, good evening, Commissioner. Good evening. Good evening. You're here to try and stop another tragedy, Commissioner? Absurd. There's nothing to that tragedy nonsense. I'm here solely to listen to the music, and I wouldn't have even done that if my wife hadn't insisted. Did you hear what he said? Well, I guess there's nothing to it, then. We could have stayed home and played bridge, too. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it'll happen. Oh, 
makes a false step now, he'll be playing right into the hands of his enemy. And remember, every time you drive in the rain on worn, smooth tires, you may be playing into the hands of a dangerous skid. Who knows what may happen? The shadow knows. Beware. Thousands killed or injured. Cars wrecked. That's the price American motorists pay every year when tires lose their grip and skid on wet, slippery pavements. Yes, motorists. Don't risk that sickening pit-of-the-stomach feeling that comes when your car suddenly swerves out of control. For remember, this new Goodrich Silvertown is the only tire with the lifesaver tread. The amazing skid protection that will stop you quicker, safer in a wet road emergency than you've ever stopped before. The nation's largest independent testing laboratory proved this by testing this new Silvertown against both regular and premium price tires of the five other leading tire manufacturers. The engineers of the impartial Pittsburgh Testing Laboratory found that no tire tested, regardless of price, came up to the Goodrich Silvertown in skid resistance. And when you know that Silvertowns also give you the famous Golden Ply blowout protection, is it any wonder that it's called the safest thing on wheels? Put Goodrich Safety Silvertowns on your car now and play safe. Gentlemen, we have called this meeting of the board of directors of the opera company because we feel that there now exists a crisis and we directors must come to an immediate decision. You're all aware... You're all aware of the regrettable events of the past week. Gentlemen... We must decide whether or not to suspend opera for the balance of the season. I call on Commissioner Weston, who has kindly considered to come here this evening, and advise me. Commissioner Weston. Well, gentlemen, I'm placed in an awkward position. 
I realize that to close the opera house for the balance of the season will mean that a number of people will lose their jobs. Not only the stars, but many who can ill afford it. Stagehands, ushers, porters, extras, and many others who are necessary to an institution of this size. But, gentlemen, the question is, dare you continue? That is indeed the question, Commissioner. Gentlemen, Mr. Hagen Radkoff has also considered to appear before us this evening and give his opinion. Uh, Mr. Radkoff. Gentlemen, my heart is very sad. Not only because I lose my beautiful voice, but also these tragedies that happen when the opera Pagliaccia is sung. But I do not think you have to close the opera house. It is only Pagliacci that must close. Because if Pagliacci is never given again, these terrible accidents will finish. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Why couldn't we just eliminate Pagliacci? Because, gentlemen, these tragic events are not accidents. Who said that? I know that voice. The shadow is here. The shadow? Here? Yes, gentlemen. Here in the shadows. Shadow? What do you know about these tragedies in the opera? Enough, Commissioner Weston, to realize the person who started this reign of terror will never stop until he is brought to justice. You would be content for a time if you discontinued Pagliacci. But the burning, blistering hate that motivates him would force him to strike again and again. Look here, Shadow. If you have any information, you're obstructing justice in not turning it over to me. At present, Commissioner, I have only a theory. But I will solve these tragedies for you within the next 48 hours. Commissioner Weston, I do not agree with the Shadow. I believe Pagliacci is cursed. And that it is only that area that will bring tragedy. Mr. Radkoff, although many times I don't agree with the shadow, I must admit he has helped me solve many tough cases. Thank you, Commissioner Weston. I will trap this killer for you if you'll do exactly as I say. Tomorrow night you must once again give the opera Pagliacci. Gentlemen, have there not been tragedies enough? Shadow, what do you intend to do if Pagliacci is sung again? I cannot tell you my plans, Commissioner, but you must trust me. Remember... The shadow has never failed you yet. Well, gentlemen, though I hesitate to advise you to do this, nevertheless, in my opinion, this is a case for the shadow. Thank you again, Commissioner. But, Shadow, if there are any tricks... There will be none. Gentlemen, will you do as I ask? Will you give Pagliacci again a week from tonight? If you do so, arrange to keep Box 7 vacant. For Box 7 will be occupied by the shadow... We, uh, we had best take a vote. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? No, no, never! I beg your pardon, Mr. Radkoff. You have no vote. Only the directors are entitled to vote. But you cannot do this. Pagliacci is cursed. It started by breaking my voice. Death will follow it every time. Mr. Radkoff, no, we know how you, you feel. No, you cannot do. Understand uh, the strain you're under as a result of the recent events. Uh, but uh, try to calm no, yourself, I'd, sir. I'm sorry, gentlemen. I'm sorry. Uh, will one of you gentlemen assist uh, Mr. Radkoff to his home, yes, please? Yes, I'll be glad to. Calling Margot Lane. Calling Margot Lane. We have important work to be done tonight. Meet me in front of the Opera House at 12.30. That is all. Good evening, Mike. Kind of nice tonight. Ah, it is that. Sure hate to go inside and make me round. Well, Mike, aren't you a little scared having to guard the Opera House at night after all them killings? Sure, every night watchman here at the Opera House for going on eight years now. I ain't going to start trembling at this late day. Well, I guess you're safe as long as you don't start singing that uh, mystery song. Ah, never a bit of fear of that. Wearing of the green is the only tune I ever sing. <laughs> well, good night, my lad. 
and let's make another inspection tour of the upper house. Have a change for service. This here upper house is the darkest spot in the world. Who's that? I see you over there. Oh, I I didn't know it was you, sir. Come here a minute, Mike. I want to show you something. Yes, sir, I was... Oh, oh don't do that, sir. Not to me. Oh, the knife, sir. No one will stand in my path. Now I will complete my work in box seven. So, the electric cord runs from the asbestos curtain. And I connect it here to the powder. Tomorrow, let the shadow call for them to lower the asbestos curtain, and his own words will seal his doom. He will blow the opera house to pieces. Well, Marco, the opera house isn't quite so glittering at this hour. So dark, it almost seemed haunted. It's haunted in a sense, Margot. Haunted perhaps by the ghost of the immortal Caruso come to sing at last duet with his great friend Shalyapin. Lamont, look over there. The body on the floor. Oh, oh my watchman has been stabbed. Killer has struck again. Lamont, when will this end? If my plans work. Tomorrow we'll see this atrocious murderer brought to justice. But why? Why did he kill the watchman? Probably the watchman discovered him before we arrived. But you'd better go home now. I'll send for an ambulance. Oh, Lamont, please be careful. Don't worry, Margot. The killer will not return tonight. Be here for tomorrow's opera. I have a ticket for you in box six. I will be in box seven. In the shadows. Hello? Hello, Commissioner Weston. Well, Shadow, you don't seem to be able to do much about this opera killer. Thanks to my trust in you, the night watchman was almost killed last night. If someone hadn't given him first aid before the ambulance arrived, he'd surely have died. As it is, he'll only be... Well, he'll be unconscious for three days. Weston, I gave that watchman the necessary treatment and saved his life. And I will unmask the killer tonight's performance of Pagliacci. There isn't going to be any performance of Pagliacci tonight. I'm going to force them to cancel it and close the opera house for the balance of the season. Weston, you can't do that. You'll only turn this atrocious killer into other channels. This is the breaking point now. Unless he is captured, he will soon terrorize every place of entertainment. The whole entertainment world. You must do as I say. I will see that no harm comes to anyone at tonight's performance. But only if you follow my instructions. Well, I'm a fool to trust you, Shadow. What do you want me to do? Arrange to have everyone connected with the opera company present at tonight's concert. All singers, even the members of the board. You personally assign their seats to them and station a plain clothes man on each side of every one of them. Well, all right, Shadow, I'll do it. But this is your last chance. Unless I underestimate this murderous madman... It is indeed my last chance, Commissioner. Goodbye. Well, my dear, I didn't expect to find you here, Pagliacci. Aren't you terrified? No. I think the whole thing was only a series of unfortunate coincidences. After all, if there were any danger, they would hardly repeat the opera tonight. I heard a rumor that they were doing it at the request of the shadow. He guaranteed to catch the murderer tonight. Oh, isn't it thrilling? I can hardly wait until the fatal hour is sung. Is uh, everything all set, Cardona? Everyone connected with the opera company is present in the counterfeit, Commissioner. I got two men detailed, each one of them. Don't seem to be no trouble so far. No. 
But the trouble never started until the closing out of the first act. Be on your toes. Yes, sir. Curtain going out. Curtain going out, ladies and gentlemen. This is the fatal area now. But I swore then I would be the last that nobody else would sing it. I would have been too if it weren't for you. Curse your shadow! Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last of the opera murders. The stone has sunk at last to the bottom of the pond and the ripples are ended. The curse of this opera and the dangers attached to the performance have been removed. The people of this city may again enjoy the beauty of the music drama without fear of death. version of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear in the Shadow Magazine, now on sale at your local newsstand. <laughs> the weed of crime bears 
bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Thanks for joining me tonight. I hope you're by your radios tomorrow evening. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.